This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to the MK1 podcast, your audio hub for everything Milton Keynes Dons. Well, it's been a few weeks since we last jumped on uh, the mics and chatted about Dons, but there's certainly plenty to talk about tonight. And maybe anyone I'd rather be besides than Joe to chat about it. So, Joe, how are we? Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm all good. It's yeah. We've, I think it was two weeks since the last one, so um, we've had a fair bit of news since then. So that's good that the. That, I mean, the Dons are keeping us in business at the moment. So yeah, good, good, uh, good time to come back. We've had we come back refreshed and uh, raring to go. Has it only been two weeks? It's longer than that. It's Maybe. not been three, I don't think, has it? Has it been three I'm, weeks? I'm, honestly, I'm I'm not sure, but I think it's always in between that. But yeah, it oh, like a long yeah, time. No, I, th- I think it might have been three, actually, because I think our, our last one was late May. Yeah, so literally has been quite a while since we last jumped on here and spoke about things. But obviously, busy people. Joe, obviously, you've had a little venture to Birmingham, didn't you, the other day? Yes, I was at day two of the Ashes test. Um I mean, I guess we could probably make this a regular thing now with it be the whole series being over the next six weeks. Um, but yeah, brilliant day seeing oh, Stuart Broad nearly get his hat trick. Um, uh, I mean, very, I'm gutted to lose it. Uh, but I mean, I think people got pointing to the early declaration by Ben Stokes on day one. However, I think um, you live by basketball when you die by basketball. So you can't be, um, you know, we've won 11 out of the last 13 tests playing this way. Um so I'm not going to cry about losing on the last day in the last half an hour, just narrowly against the best test team in the world. So um, plenty more to come from us, I think. Absolutely. And Lords and next week, of course, which will be another fantastic test. And hope to make it one all. Um, but yeah, no, been a been a decent summer so far, actually. And I think Don's been busy also recently. Uh, obviously, Graham Alexander came in, uh, Chris Lucchetti came in and not been messing about. They've signed four players since we last recorded. Um, and yeah, we're going to talk about them basically. So, I think the first one was a bit of a statement signing. Obviously, the seasons previous, previous we've done really well, made a statement signing. Of course, Scott Twine in, in our almost promotion season, um, amongst many others. And Alex Gilby returns to Milton Keynes Dons, um, after a little spell away at Knights of Charlton, Stevenage, etc. But he returns to Milton Keynes, and again, another League Two season. Obviously, a player who has definitely had success at the club previously, obviously. He's had three career promotions. Of course, he knows what it's like to win silverware with uh, Dons in, in May in particular. 
And obviously two of those player of the year awards that he has out is free so far in his career have come in Milton Keynes. So Joe, obviously a popular figure around MK1, Alex, um, or Gilbs, comes back to Milton Keynes for this season. What are your thoughts and feelings? Welcome home, Dad. Uh, I mean, it does seem weird calling him Dad. Bear in mind, he's, I think he's four years older than me or something. <laughs> so, um, but I mean, just a general note on the business as a whole, just before we get stuck into the specific players. I think you can tell what the club's going for in this window. Um, last window, it was very much youngsters. We went. I mean, I think Warren O'Hara actually appeared on a podcast. Um, a good listen, by the way, if you want to hear about how uh, Scott Twine got Liam Manning in a headlock uh, on a night yeah. on a work do or yeah, yeah, you know, end of season do. Um, but yeah, it, last season it was very much prospects, and and that would, probably was our downfall because although those play, the, we've spoke about before, the players are actually pretty decent. There was no experience and and pros in their primes that are, were around those players. And the players we've signed so far, but, you know, barring the um, the backup goalkeeper, were a 27, 28 and 30. They've all played in League Two before, I believe, or at least they played in League One. Um, so, and then two of them were prominent players in, I think two of them, well, one of them got promoted from League Two last season and the other one was a player of the year for a team in League Two last season. Um, so I think, you know, we've gone for solid, steady pros and we're kind of filling out the team. So now it's looking like we've got a really good balance of not necessarily experience. Well, yes, experience, but we're not signing veterans. We're signing people right in their primes, which I think if you look at what Wigan did when they got promoted um, a couple of years ago from League One, they, you know, basically built a new team overnight. But where they went really, really right with it was they just bought players sort of between 25 and 30 just good ages, good pros in the primes of their careers, so to speak. So I think, yeah, I mean, I think Alex Gilby is a perfect example of that. He's a player that, I mean, you would have thought that Stevenage, who are a League One team now, would have offered him a deal and he's deemed um, the project or or the money, you know, who, <laughs> and you can't blame him. He's got, a, he's got, a, it's his, his career at the end of the day and he only gets a certain amount of years. But obviously there is that connection there as well with the, with the city of Milton Keynes. And I think, um, you know, it shows uh, for me it was a statement that actually someone that's just been promoted from League Two is dropping back down to, to be with us. And I think you know people can just go on about cheap cheap players and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I think we're going to see that we're going to be spending on wages this year, not transfer fees. I think it's going to be the potentially the theme. Um, and I think you know Gilby's a perfect example of that. Someone that's been there at this level before. Someone that's been at the club before. And also, just in terms of, you know, all the off-the-pitch stuff, which I've been talking about, as a footballer himself, he's exactly what we've lacked in that midfield for two to three years. But basically, ever since Conor Coventry left. And you could argue that when, you know, Ethan Robson probably provided that alongside Eth- uh, alongside Matt O'Reilly at the start of last season. And then, and then Conor Coventry came in to replace Ethan Robson. And Conor Coventry, he had that bite. He had the drive. He swept up and he was box to box in all action. Now, I think, you know, Gilby's probably more attacking than Connor Coventry. But last season, you know, I think one, one thing we really lacked until Paris come in, but even then when Paris did come in, I think Gilby's got that quality on the ball and the composure. Um, but he's he's full-blooded, he's athletic and he's a good personality. I almost think of him as sort of the Harry Darling character. I think Harry Darling, so often you'd see he was the one joking around, being a twit, 
and you need people like that. And but, but but when it comes down to business, you can tell that there's no one who's more committed than him. So I mean, off the pitch, on the pitch, there's so much to like about this transfer. Um, oh yeah, I'm, I'm made up really. It's um, it's yeah, really good to see. And uh, I mean, I don't know if you've got much more to add on that, Liam, or have I just stolen everything you were going to say? No, no. I mean, I think a couple of things. Obviously, the whole Paris situation. Yeah, like, I think we both really like Paris as a footballer, but. I think we were, we were massively critical about his, his efforts in the final third overall. And I think whilst Alex isn't the most prolific person in the final third, he's isn't, isn't not meant to be, he doesn't need to be in many senses. But yeah, I think from his time in Milton Keynes previously, we did see that he could pop up with a goal here and pop up with assist here and there and really be that driving force in the midfield and really build around that spine. And I think that spine is why we didn't really do too much last season. It kind of got ripped apart. You mentioned Coventry leaving. Um, many, many players left also, Darling, Twine, et cetera. Um, so yeah, rebuilding that spine is going to be the key to getting this team back up to League One. And I think I think Gilbs is is a key part, of that, if not the keyest keyest that word, uh, the key part to that spine again. Um, obviously, who who knows who who are up front? Um, but we'll likely have Jack Tucker at centre back with James, um with a obviously a goalkeeper in goal who is we'll talk about later on. And yeah, overall, I'm 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 fairly happy overall with, with the team, and I think Gilby adds that one solid piece of where we missed last season that we're going to need this season in order to get into that very hot and I imagine quite tense automatic promotion battle if we do need to get in there. Cool. I mean, let's get into the next player. And I think a player who took us a little bit by surprise, actually. I know I didn't, obviously, when I when I sort of saw the name pop up, I was like, oh, okay, interesting. Uh, in, in Norman, who... Obviously, played for Newport last season, Cameron Norman. Um, it's a wing-back traditionally. Um, it can play centre-back in a, in a free, but typically just play wing-back. Uh, he's got 10 goal contributions last season for Newport in uh, 46 games. I played every minute of last season also, so he's a player who doesn't really... Um, quite a bit play, doesn't get injured too much. Um, and yeah, he, I mean, last season he won player's player and player of the year um, in terms of the supporters and players backing him. Very attacking player, as you can imagine. Um, and... I think the main thing that I picked up on in terms of we'll get into his like data later on, but ultimately Joe, he he's what Tanai Watson should have been going forward, but ultimately Tanai wasn't that. And now we've got him in the building and in a League Two team, which like to think he'll be scoring a lot of goals and maybe a bit more attacking than at times what the team was last season. So getting someone like Norman in the door is uh is quite a bit of a coup, really. Yeah, I I'm I'm I'd never really heard of him, to be quite honest. And then I, then I looked into it and I was like, oh, right, okay. So he's, he'd been in League Two for a few seasons. I think he came from non-league to Walsall, played a bit there, then went on to Newport. And he's been really under under the radar. I think I think in that position, when you're a right wing back or a right centre-back, you don't really maybe get all the plaudits. But I think he's six one, six two, so he's bigger than tonight. I mean, I don't mean to do tonight a disservice. I'm just, you know, it's literally just who we had there last season. But... I just took a just had a little look at what uh, some of his games, and this is just a typical game where he played against Hartlepool United. Newport won two 0 and his stats are stunning. So he had one one assist. Um, he had over fifty touches of the ball. Um, he he um, he was only dispossessed once. So you know he, he maybe is a bit more safe. He's maybe not a dribbly sort of player, um, and that was shown by he didn't actually you know attempt many dribbles. However. You know, his defensive stats were he won six out of eight ground duels, four out of six aerials. But then he also, um, he, he created four, cha- oh, excuse me, 
he created four chances in the game as well. And I think one thing I noticed was he's not necessarily a silky Kessler Caden type, but he looks to be just like a powerhouse and really charging up and down that wing. But there seems to be an end product to it as well, which maybe we didn't see with tonight. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at his data, like, you know, everything that's like sky high in terms of metrics, touching the box per 90, as Joe alluded to, uh, defensive dual success, uh, successful attacking actions per 90, crosses per 90. Um, and that's a comparison with the rest of like the League 2 and some some League 1 data as well. So he's, yeah, he's excelling at his field and the areas that you want him to excel in. And I think for me, whenever I watched that wing-back position, it was always a real a real pain. I wanted a mix of Lawrence in terms of his tenacity and his willing drive to get forward, but I also wanted a, a bit of tonight in terms of his defensive ability and his actual st- stability at times. And I think Norman actually provides a nice balance of both on paper. Obviously, we'll find out later in the season if that actually is the case. But I mean, the fact that you know it was you know it was believed that other League One teams were after him. Um, and we managed to get him again, a bit like Alex Gilby potentially, is an, another great sign that this club still has you know, a bit of pull that we potentially where it didn't have coming down from, from League One again. And um, it can get slightly windy about with these two type of players in terms of players who you maybe think are playing or should be playing at a League One level. Yeah, and like I said, you, know, you mentioned the statistics. And so last season alone, he got five goals and five assists from right, right wing back slash right centre back. He and, he and and as well, I noticed he scored goals in the box, but he also scored from set pieces as well. As I said, he is a big threat. So I think even defensively he can help out because we did have a few issues at times with set pieces, didn't we? Just a few. Last season. Um, but the season before, he had one goal and five assists. So in two seasons, he's had 16 goal contributions. And, you know, I think tonight, did he even have one in 30 games this season? I can't remember if he did. I don't think he did. And... And, and this is for someone who, like we said, isn't playing right wing back every game, so to speak. He, a lot of, sometimes he wasn't right centre back. And the season before as well, he had four assists in 35 games. So he, he seems to be quite a bit of a creator. Um, I think he likes to get the ball in the box fairly quickly. Maybe, you know, you could argue that maybe with Mo, that's not necessarily how Mo gets a lot of his goals. But with maybe someone like Will Grigg, which I'm sure we'll come on to a little bit later on, we're talking about what we need to be looking for in terms of uh, upcoming signings. You know, maybe that could be something that Grigg could thrive off. Um, but overall, I think, yeah, going forward, it seems to be an upgrade. Defensively, seems to be an upgrade. Um, also, another thing to note, 18 yellow cards in the last two seasons. So I think we've got ourselves a new Dan Harvey um, <laughs> on the right, but, but this time on the right-hand side. And, um, you know, I, if Dan Harvey does stay, and I really hope he does, you know that that could that's two quality operators out wide, and that's whether we're playing a four or five. However, I mean, I'll come on to this a bit more later on, but I think this this signing could indicate that maybe we're going to be playing a, a three slash five at the back. Absolutely, and I think you know with Norman as that right, right wing back, I think yeah, Baz will be very happy in terms of he mentions here, but let's fall back and put a deliver, good delivery into the box and. You know, he said it's something that we've lacked. I think it is something we've lacked in recent times, particularly for that right-hand side. So, had a player that can do that and is willing to do that on a regular basis um, is a is a good sign. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to watching watching Cam uh, head onto the pitch. Obviously, the other two signings are goalkeepers, um, both on the same day actually. So it was a it was an interesting day to, for sure the other day when we saw, um, of course, Nathan Harness also signed for the club. That's the first out of two goalkeepers. 
um again not not really a name that people had heard of um until his agents decided to tweet out four hours before he actually signed that he signed so that was very generous of them um but yeah obviously a player that comes from from charlton um obviously played against us last season in the happy john's game where we lost one nil remember that game quite well actually we should have definitely won that game uh considering the team we played as was well that, was that when Lecco scored in the last minute or was that the season before I think that, that was the season before? before. That was the season, season before. before. Ah, apologies. But yeah. Because I remember I just started laughing because I travelled like an hour and a half, two hours down to London, straight from work. Wouldn't be getting back till half twelve, one. And yeah, I mean, I don't know why I went that game. But it was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we battered them. I think, it was, I think we brought Twine off the bench or something. And then we yeah, really we probably went for it. it. Yeah, yeah, we went for it. And then and then they just scored like a scrappy rebound that Franco parried or something. Oh. Uh, <laughs> what a time. Sorry, what a time. Sorry No, no, it's all right. Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, it, obviously it's not a... Now that, now that we know it's it's not it's not gonna be a, it's not gonna be the number one. Obviously, Graham Alexander came out and said he's gonna compete to be the number one, but I think we all know that the other keeper side is probably gonna be the number one for the season. But I think in terms of what actually what Nath can actually provide to the, the group, it's you know, I think for my number two, I don't want a kid in goal. I was saying I said the same to Joe and when he first signed, like I I would want like a maybe 22, 23 year old who has had some experience playing in some sort of professional football, whether that's big games, whether that's smaller games like the Papa John's, but someone that we know can can ultimately come in if he needs to and actually put on a performance. And I think he shares similar attributes with um, Craig, who obviously signed to be the number one, I would assume anyway. Um, in terms of shop-stopping ability, in terms of like not afraid to come out of his goal and actually put his sort of heart on his sleeve as he put it in his interview. Um, so yeah, Joe, I think he seems, I think he seems steady enough to be a number two and I think he's more steady then maybe the likes of sorry Franco, but Franco was in the previous season in terms of his experience so far. Yeah, it's just solid. It seems um, he's he's fairly young for for a goalkeeper anyway. Twenty three years old. That's extremely young. He's got good attributes in terms of he you know he's a big strapping lad. Um, he's and he's played professional games. I think he played nine times for Charlton. He's had a couple of short loan spells, probably emergency loan spells in the the National League and the National League South. I, it's just, you know, I, I, one thing I will say is there seems to be a spate of teenagers on Twitter. That, and I, I'm, I'm rising to it, and I know I shouldn't, but people just absolutely laying into him saying, oh, his stats are awful and all this stuff. I'm sorry. I'm, I've never, can't profess to have even heard of the bloke. And especially when it comes to goalkeepers, I think, you know, you can't really, you know, Fisher, we signed Andy Fisher. After and I don't think he played a professional game at that point, and then we sell him for half a million or whatever. A few months, eighteen months later, you know, I think it's just just give people a chance, and you know, it's then later turns out that he's not going to be, he's not our star-studded number one goalkeeper that's going to keep a clean sheet every single game. You know, he's someone there to challenge the number one. He's someone there to step in when needed, and someone to develop his and a young player who. You know, maybe we can develop them one day. Who knows? I think um, just yeah, I just don't get the cons- the criticism from day one, and and it, it applies to other players as well. Um, but we, you know, I don't want to get too much into that. Um, just just solid, yeah. I mean, I can't say that I know loads about him, but he, he seems a good fit for what we need at number two. Yeah, and it's something that I'll. I've, I was going to mention later on, actually, but I mentioned it now in the fact that from, from the majority of interviews that I've seen from these lads and 
they're very much recruiting off personalities as well. I know it's not a, a massive focus, but you look at the likes of Nath, obviously McGillivray, who we'll talk about later on, and Gilby. They either all know each other or they just come across as like really just sound lads overall. And that's that shouldn't be underestimated when you're actually trying to build like a team and especially a team that's quite young and just go off a relegation as well. Like they, they'll be quite downbeat about it all when top dreading coming back. So getting these lads back in the door mm. who ultimately will know each other well or want to be part of dressing room feel and sort of try and bring a bit of life back to it. It's it shouldn't really go underestimated too much. And I think that just comes from like knowledge of either being part of teams and had a business or just being in a football dressing room and knowing what your what what breeds success ultimately. Yeah, and I think as well, like you look at our dressing room last year, and I don't I'm not gonna say that, you know, everyone there's an idiot and an arsehole and stuff. But you got, you know, you had a couple of young Irish lads come into a brand new dressing room. You had the likes of, you know, Matt Dennis, who's first time in a, you know, football league dress. I mean, I know he was at Arsenal, but he would have been playing academy football and then he went to non-league. Um, and, and and it's like things like this, you know, people that it's brand new experiences for a lot of these players and these younger guys. And all of a sudden, you know, you throw 10 under, you know, 10, 21 year olds together you know, you do need these people, these older pros to merge it and make it and keep almost run the dressing room for you. Because, you know, it's not a manager's job to sit there and make everyone talk to each other or tell everyone to be quiet when he's trying to talk or, you know, just little things like, you know, it's not a school, is it? And um, I think, yeah, having, they just seem like good personalities and maybe, you know, just a more harmonious, not to say that it wasn't harmonious, we don't know, we weren't there, but... I think um, just all round better vibes around the place, I think, could definitely just help. And and you've also, you know, you've now got people like um, uh, O'Hara, Harvey, um, you know, they're no longer the kids. They're no longer the the younger youngsters and the up and coming plucky prospects. And, you know, they've got between them, Warren and um, Harvey, they've probably got 250 Dons games between them or so. So, um, you know, they've re- got real experience now and, um I think just adding a bit more around there because we said last season that something we lacked was just people between the age of sort of 24 and 30. We either had people over the age of 30 or we had people under the age of 23. <laughs> that was all we had. We had Mo, it was 28. And that was it. Um, so yeah, just, yeah, I, I like it. Yeah, and obviously he was mentioned about how he didn't really, obviously he took responsibility. He didn't want to take responsibility of having to sort of throw these players up ultimately that they did that Liam Sweeting and the managers have recruited and things like that so now he doesn't have to obviously he has a responsibility in some senses to like be one of the more responsible ones out of a lot of them in terms of starting every week and being that sort of rock at the back but yeah you're right the likes of you know McGillivray coming in Gilby things like that they're gonna take the pressure off him a little bit and the likes of Dan Harvey also a little bit and that can be a good thing overall so yeah uh, and I think when if standards are just high in general, you know, if you're one of the if if everyone's standard is high and you're clearly slacking, well, you're going to be the odd one out, and you're going to be the out weird one. But if it's younger, you know, if it could have been that, well, if everyone slacks off, and well, you know, who cares, sort of thing. So I think yeah, you know, it seems like sort of guys that just just good personalities, as you say. I mean, I think Thomas Frank famously said he has a no dickhead policy at Brentford. So, <laughs> you know, it, it, I think it's, um, yeah, it really nice, pleasing to see. Just, you know, take away from football for a moment. I think the club have really nailed the, the profile of, of all, what we're going for this summer. Yeah, and I think if you had that same policy that Thomas Frank introduced, you may not have recruited this last player, Joe, after, after the final day of the season. But <laughs> oh, yeah. He's in the door anyway. 
um, in a crazy delivery. Obviously, Don's fans, I remember him for final day of the season at Burton where Donta was it was it thirty one shots in the end zone and we couldn't score against this keeper. Yeah, I and... mean to be fair, not many of them were on target, but he well, did make it. Yeah. He did he did get man of the match nonetheless. Yeah, and of course he uh he gave it a bit to the uh, the Don's fans in the away end after the game. But listen, I think I think most keepers will do that in that situation. Um, but he's on he's a Don's player now, so we'll forget about all of that. Um, bit of background on him, so I think his most successful time in his career is probably at Pompey. Um, he's been he's been a few clubs, Charlton also, which we'll get onto later. But Pompey, he was there for I think it was three seasons. Obviously, won an EFL trophy there, won a player of the season award there, and arguably statistically, he was one of the best keepers in the league when he was there. Actually, in terms of shot stopping, and that probably is his greatest strength overall. Um, you know, if we go to this season quickly at Burton, whilst he only played like forty one percent of the club's actual minutes of the season, you know, he ranks top six in ter- top six in terms of goals prevented. Um, and obviously the likes of like Chris Chris Walton, um, James Trafford, and Michael Cooper are all up there also. So, you know, I think that's a good metric to sort of outline how high profile he was as a keeper in League One. So the fact that he dropped down to League Two, and also, by the way, he beat the likes of like Ripley, who was linked to us, Matt Macy, who potentially was playing for Pompey also at the time, Adam Smith, who's just gone to Morecambe again. So, you know, he's not a bad keeper at all, especially even at League One level, let alone League Two. Um, and of course, that Burton defence was, we all spoke about that, that Burton sort of revival from 23rd to whether they finished in the league, like 15th or 14th. And he was obviously the keeper throughout that whole spell. So, yeah, he's, he's not a bad keeper at all. Um, obviously, he was at Charlton for a bit as well, but after his move to Pompey, did okay there, played a lot of League One football, uh, and they went straight to Burton. And as mentioned, was a, was a key part in that Dino uh, revival, re- revolution for Burton. So, Joe, I think this is probably, in my opinion, the most exciting signing out of the four. Um, obviously, it caused a bit of controversy at the time, but I generally think this is a really, really good goalkeeper we've got here and someone who can be well help build that part of that spine again like Gilby can. Yeah, I think um, it's, again, a clear change of strategy from the club in terms of who they want in goal. Um, for the last sort of three seasons, we've gone with young, younger goalkeepers. Um, we went with Fish. And then we went with um, Jamie Cumming, you know, maybe looking more to play out from the back sort of thing. Um, and I think under Graham Alexander, he's maybe not put that towards the top of his list when looking for a goalkeeper. And I think what he wants in a goalkeeper is someone who's commanding, someone you can rely on, and someone also who, you know, he's got a bit of personality, he's got a bit about him, and he can, you know, communicate with the defence in front of him. Because like you said, um, I- I'm trying to find the stats, actually. I'm trying to find the League 2... T- table but of um sort of the the time period in which he played um and yeah i mean you mentioned there liam um i just mentioned there he, he came into burton in the january window this season and from that point onwards uh, burton were actually eighth you know in terms of overall in the league um he conceded 25 goals in 20 games so you know slightly more than maybe average but I think when you think about this Burton team you don't necessarily associate the defenders that they have as being world beaters so you think a large majority of the reason for that would be that he was keeping you know keeping the scores down Um, so I think he obviously had a clear impact there and you know you'd probably say that actually in terms of his level that he should be at is probably league one average or, or league one above average in all honesty in terms of purely goalkeeping and um I think so. Yes, I think we are. He is playing below his level in League Two, to be quite honest with you. Um, I mean, I know there's another goalkeeper 
uh, in, in well in a different country in in Wales over in Wales, uh, Fozzy. Um, <laughs> he might have something to say about that, but I think he could be probably top two, top three keepers in the league. Um, and I think as I think just again, it just adds that element of the strong spine and the reliability, which you know because we actually had that period where. And you know, none of us really blamed coming because it can happen. But you know, we did have a period where, at times, uh, I think there was a period where, thir- like thirteen shots in a row that Jamie Cumming conceded, like they went in or something like that. And it, sometimes it can just happen like that. But I think as well, sometimes when you are in the rut, you do need to be. You know, I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say Jamie was quiet or didn't have a presence, but sometimes you, you need that authority behind you you know because even just it's even if it's just in fear of being showered up <laughs> followed by your goalkeeper you know <laughs> just just but I think just having that authority at the back is really important and you know you look you look back when we got promoted from a few years ago well in the past I mean so we had Lee Nichols in goal in League Two and in that back line you had people like Joe Walsh Jordan Moore Taylor Dean Lewington um, when we got promoted in League One we had Anthony Kay, Carl McFadden and and David Martin. So you, that both times in recent years when we have been promoted, it's by having experience in that back line. And, you know, we, we've had younger players dotted throughout the team, but I think the back line, just having that little bit of nous and that little bit of experience, I think is really invaluable. I don't think it's, it, it's not, you don't absolutely, absolutely need it, but definitely it can't hurt, especially if the players are good enough. Absolutely, mate. And if you look at actually our squad depth chart right now, which I mean, we don't have published on social media yet, but I'm sure we'll make it eventually. You know, every one of those players um, has played a pretty solid amount of either League One or EFL football, right? Obviously, Cam Norman's played a lot last season. Tucker's played a lot. O'Hara's played a lot. Louis has played a bit too much. Um, Jules has played a fair bit. And Harvey has also. And maybe Brooks, the only one that hasn't, but as a backup left back and only one player out of that, well, like six or seven. You're gonna take that, right? And I think that'll that'll yeah. serve us really well heading into this season, which is gonna be a bit of a slog. You know, forty-six games in this division is not gonna be easy. It wasn't easy last time. Or fun. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe, maybe. But <laughs> we didn't make it easy easy last time. Whether that was uh the players' fault or the manager's fault. Um, but you know, this on this occasion you'd like to think that we've learned some lessons from that time and hopefully this squad can um do the, the job or well, the same job, if not even better. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Agreed, agreed. Cool. So that's the four players we've sort of spoken about that we've recruited so far. You'd imagine we'd look after some more, wouldn't you, Joe? Um, definitely some areas we need to... I think so. 
get some get some firepower in potentially. Uh, we asked you guys who you would want. Um, quite popular um, was attacking options. Um, I know Albie and, and Paolo mentioned attacking options last striker. Um, and, and Ken wants some creative midfielders, which I completely understand. I think we've got a few in the team, but maybe not enough. Um, a bit on a bit more on the defensive side. Um, Chris wanted the ball-winning midfielder and some wing-back cover at the right-hand side, which you know, obviously Norman's come in, but we do have a second person there for sure. Um, and then Jonathan, again, just wants a bit more experience and grit in the team. And I think we've made a good start on that for sure. But you can never have enough of that in the team, really. So in terms of positions, Joel, potentially a little, a little like... Um, sort of profile, what what would you want right now in terms of looking at that squad? Um, I think we can split this into two, Liam, if that's all right with you. Go for it, yeah, go for so, it. So, first of all, I'm going to talk about areas in the squad which we just need to top up, I think. So, not necessarily in terms of quality, because I think we're good enough in quality, but maybe in terms of the squad. And I think um, right-back is definitely one. I think we've got our start in right-back or right-wing-back. We don't know yet. Um so I think it's just a, just a backup or someone that could compete with him there. Maybe that might, might that might actually be then someone younger. You know, someone younger who comes in and competes with Norman there. Um, and then also I think uh, another centre back because we we mentioned Tucker, Jules, O'Hara, and Louis. So that's four centre backs. Probably okay if you're playing four at the back. If we're playing three at the back, I'd like to see another one or two. Again, maybe a m- much more experienced player like a Richard Keogh type figure or maybe even a youngster who's up and coming and just maybe gets 10 or 15 games this season um so i think you know an extra sense back would be good um in terms of actual someone you know starting 11 if i was to name our starting 11 today where where would i think we need improving um i think the defensive midfield spot could still be up for grabs um i think you know as we mentioned gilby he's when we played the the midfield diamond do you, do you remember when uh, Russ, Russ first came in um, yeah yeah and Gilby was playing as as like a number eight there and Jordan Helton was the sit-in player and I think that you know Gilby I don't think we should have shackles on him as such and make sure and I don't think he's would play best being the sitting midfielder and I don't trust Smith or Robson or Devoy to do that for any you know for that matter although I think they're half decent players I just don't think that they're good enough to do basically what Paris was doing because I think if Paris was doing what Paris was doing and then just passing it to Gilby and then let Gilby go forward I think it's you know it's different isn't it so I think we do need need that Kasumu or Magoma type just to sit at that base of midfield Um, and then I think it depends if we're playing two up front or whether we're playing wingers but I think we definitely need at least one more winger um Lecco and Holland, I'm fairly sure, are pretty decent in terms of League Two level, but maybe one or two wouldn't hurt. But then again, we might not be playing wingers. We might be playing yeah. two strikers and wing backs. Um, and if we're playing two strikers, I think we definitely need some strikers or at least one. Um, my wife and Grig are more than happy with going into the season. Dennis and Dean, I think one of them will get loaned out. Um, but I don't, you know, people are on about Dennis and Dean starting. I mean, Dennis has played 800 League One minutes and scored one goal. And then he got loaned out for half the season and played, made two starts at the team that finished mid-table. Um, Max Dean, he's 18, 19 years old. I, I'm not in a promotion race. I'm not relying on him. And I'm not tying all my hopes down on him. However bright he may have seemed, and let me uh-huh. asterisk this by saying off the bench, he's clearly got talent. Clearly, he was at Leeds, for goodness sake. Of course, he's got talent. 
But I'm not hanging my hat on him to score 10 to 15 goals. And it's not fair on him, quite frankly, either. He needs time and space to develop and grow. And I think it would be completely irresponsible if we were relying on him to be, you know, our setback-up striker. Um, so, yeah, I think but if we're playing one up front, I'm fairly content with that striker lineup. Yeah, it's, it's a big question mark, isn't it? I mean, it does depend on whether what formation we are playing. Um and also, who's leaving? But we're going to that in a second. Who yeah. potentially is leaving? Well, so, but... where, where do you think the holes in the squad are, and where do you think the holes in the first eleven are? Then, um, I agree with right back, back up, right back, and then a right wing back, and then centre back for sure. I'd love to see an experienced centre back in that group. Obviously, Louis is very experienced, but more of like an aerial <laughs> dominant. Louis are not enough for you, Louis. No, no, not unfortunately. <laughs> no, I, I think for me, I'd love to see. I think. Whenever I watch these like promotion teams, there's always that classic, like really aerial dominant, experienced centre back. Well, who's... we brought Russell Martin in, didn't we? Exactly. There you go. In, in, in our League Two promotion, I completely forgot about him. I was just thinking about the cool. I wasn't thinking about the gritty centre back. I was thinking about the the man in chinos and a polo shirt on the sidelines. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, someone like that for me would be brilliant. I think it would help the likes of uh, Was Tucker, even even Jules. Some respect, it's a hell of a lot. And it maybe takes the pressure off Louis a little bit also in, well, I mean, you say it's his final season, who the fuck knows really, um, but maybe his final season. Um, I think a midfield is an interesting one. I, yeah, we need someone. I don't know quite what I want, to be honest with you, because I think you could argue that Gilby could kind of do it all, no matter what you want him to do. Obviously, you prefer Just on his own. Yeah, literally, one man bands. Yeah, literally. <laughs> but I, I think, I think, if you gave Alex Gilby a role, he could probably do it. So I think that's why he was the first name on, on the recruitment team's sheet and he came in straight away. Um, and yeah, there's plenty of talent in that midfield group. Like obviously Devoy is still learning, but you can see there's this glimpses there for sure. And if you can get Ethan Robson, the, the tree from Robson out that we all know, we, we all know and we love for six months, he's a fantastic player for League too. But yeah, you would argue that you won't see one in that area um, for sure because it's just too many risks not to go to go with someone winger wise yeah we definitely need a right hand right hand side of winger for sure I say I'm quite happy with Holland and Leco and Lee too um if Leco could <laughs> if Leco could just stop being a prat sometimes that'd be nice um but I the thing is you can't really stop him doing that because he has moments of magic and then you love him so it's it's, it's yeah it's it's fine fire with fire anyways yeah exactly exactly um and yeah I mean the striker room I'm happy with for now I mean, obviously, Will Grigg in League 2 is... Well, we spoke about it with uh, Charlie, didn't we, in the last episode. I th- you'd like to think he would do well in League 2. And if Mo gets the service, you think the same with Mo. But I think the other two are a bit of a... A bit of a, a, bit of a gamble. I, li- I like Dean more than Dennis. Um, but none of them are really knocking up any trees for me, to be honest with you. Um, so, yeah, I-, I think I think we need three to four more. And then maybe maybe one, maybe two more in the starting 11 in terms of those four that I'd recruit. Um, but overall, like the squad's not in a bad spot at all, really. Obviously, last season we looked at it and we thought, bloody hell, these lot are uh, really testing our patience. But I think the actual core, and obviously people like Conor Grant kind of forgot about in this because of the potential formation changes, but it's a, it's a good squad overall, really. I, I think one thing we mentioned as well was about, about Liam Sweeten specifically was, I think it's obvious what we need. And in previous windows, you know, we lost Keogh. Oh, right. What do we need? Right. We need a centre-back. We need him to do this, this and this. We find Harry Darling. Oh, we lose Scott Fraser. What do we need? Right. We need a midfielder who can do this, this and this. Scott Twine. 
you know, I think when when it's I think with the squad building, I think that was very much led by Liam Manning. Now we've got roles to fill, specific holes in the team and squad. We we for me we've nailed pretty much all of them so far. Yeah. And I think in January we obviously look we bent down, but you can't say that we didn't improve because of what we brought in. Maybe it might not have been enough, but then you could also say, you know, O'Hara's injury was unfortunate and maybe we actually should have strengthened in that position because then Stuart then got injured. So we were then playing the Chuckle Brothers at centre back for a little <laughs> while. But but I think, you know, I think this just goes to show that, you know, sweeping wasn't just, I mean, let's not, let's not talk too soon and Bowie's, you know, trumpet too much. But I think I'm really confident that they will know where they want to improve. And they and I think Graham, whether it comes it's come from Graham Alexander or from, you know, the top, the profile is very clear, very specific. And I think, you know, even in the manager, yep, it fits all the criteria that they said it was and it makes complete sense. And the three players plus well, Nathan Harness as well, they all fit the mould and they look like they're gonna slot seamlessly in. Um so I think as well, you know, you can maybe just caveat anything we say with, well, you probably say that our three biggest assets are probably O'Hora, Harvey and Moisa. Yeah. So if any one of them moves on, then I'm sure we will look to replace them with a as good, if not, you know, maybe trying to even improve or a different style of player in replacement. So um I think, you know, you always just caveat, yeah, we could lose a big player. And then in that case, we probably will make a big move. But I think maybe one or two big sign-ins and then a couple of just padding out the team. But the squad's mainly there. It's just that sprinkling of quality, I think, we, which we need. And so far, we've delivered in the three positions we've gone for, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think I wouldn't be shocked to see this this current squad head into pre-season next week as like this testing period. Uh, so testing period, sorry, because... I think it's pretty much there. Obviously, the goalkeeper was the kind of the big thing. Like, who the hell is there being goal? And now we've got two, two such free keepers gonna, that are going to be there. We're going to be wheeling out Dave Martin and Ronnie. Yeah, Sutton literally. literally. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, mean, I, I know I think... you're probably still celebrating West Ham's win in, <laughs> in the Europa Conference League, but do you fancy coming save with some shots in the field in Milton Keynes for us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, the third, the third home coming for him. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think in terms of the rest of the recruitment, you think you are right, Joe. It could be determined by who leaves, really. And I think Alan Alan Slade said a similar thing on Twitter. Like, you would have to think that one of those three assets you mentioned does potentially leave. I think I think Mo, unfortunately, is the overwhelming favourite in in that sense because there's a Graham Alexander team suit Moise's style of football. I'm not too yeah, sure. That's a good that's a good point actually. And the thing is as well, you think back to last season. You know, Mo doesn't necessarily score goals much from, like, say, crosses. A lot of the time, it's balls through and on the edge of, the, and you know, on the shoulder of a, of an opponent. Whereas I think if you think what Greg thrived on, well, if you think of his goals that he'd done really well with this season, well, they were crosses, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, from Morecambe, you know, he was getting service and he was scoring. Um, okay, it didn't work out like that for most of the rest of the season, but. You know, I think we we would always even just you think back in the years gone by, Griggs a penalty box striker, whereas Mo I think is very much a you know works himself half a yard and gets a shot off or runs through onto a ball. Now you know it could be good to have both of those options, but like you said, maybe considering you know you'd like to, you'd probably say that the 
star striker is probably on the highest amount of money. So maybe if we did move him on, that could give us quite a bit of manoeuvring power uh, to go for something that might suit Graham Alexander more. But I, you know, I think Mo's a good player, and I think that he will make it. You know, I'm sure if Graham Alexander does have him um, come the seventh of August or whenever it is, I'm sure he'll make use of him. Absolutely, and I think a lot of this in terms of who's going to potentially or what end departures will be determined like no mid next month potentially unless someone really doesn't like his out of talk completely because you know the likes of i said like dean dennis uh even dara burns to many extent like he's gonna have to want to see these guys play yeah play a few games and see what they're like because uh, i'm not i'm not buying into narrative matt dennis but i could see matt dennis working in a great Alexander team i think from the the brief bits we saw of him last season where he actually looked okay he could he could work with him whereas someone like dean there, there is something there, but it's just my problem was I, on social media. I saw people saying he should be starting it and bin off Isa. He's a good option. Yeah, third, he's a good third option or something. Third, fourth option. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Good to have around. He can change the game because he, you know, because of his physical attributes. But bringing it all together is a, you know, consistently is a completely different thing. He's what Will Grigg should have been, or we, what we thought we recruited last season in terms of a third or fourth option that we bring off the bench to maybe get a goal here. Not the second yeah. choice striker that you play for like 20 games a season and then he's completely knackered by the time the year you need him. Um, well, Dennis played 20 games in the league. Did he really? He started, he started like eight games. Bloody hell. It's like Matt Smith. Matt Smith. Do you know Coyote played 10 games for us? <laughs> <laughs> what a you man. Know <laughs> you know... That team, oh my god, what season that was! Um, or shall I say the young Don's mascot? <laughs> that's, like, that's really harsh for me. <laughs> but... That's saying, by the way. <laughs> but no, like someone like Dennis, I think I think of work. I think Dean will find it a bit harder. Um, but he, he might have to come a bit more of like a poacher inside the box type striker. But yeah, so many young lads will have to sort of mold the games a bit differently to what Alexander wants, but. I think some of them could work ultimately, and then obviously the ones that don't, well, they'll get a move somewhere, whether it's a loan, whether it's a permanent move. We'll see, but um, yeah, I think I think for now we need three or four more, but it could end up being potentially five if we do move on one or two players. Another thing to bear in mind is um, that we've actually, you know, loans, especially Premier League clubs. Premier League clubs, they they'll be doing their tours of like you know America and Thailand and whatnot. In last year, you saw a lot of the loans don't happen until the season's already started or a couple of weeks before, because a lot of these loan players will go go away with their big, you know, a sixty man squad or something to Asia and things like that. So I think you've got just got to bear in mind, you know, someone like Kessel Hayden. I know it wasn't with us, but I remember he was playing for Villa when we were still in pre season and they were in Australia or something. Yeah. I think it was like we we went barnet away. It was like eleven o'clock in the morning. We we're having breakfast, and he's on the telly at night time in in Australia playing for Villa. <laughs> um, but then he went on loan to Huddersfield like later on in the window. So it's just I think a lot of these bigger teams you kind of wait for the, all the loans to happen, and are very much you know we've got five loan spots still. And this is another thing when it doesn't look like we're gonna. I mean, we, loans we got last season, none of them really played because half of them weren't that good but um, <laughs> but like you know if we can sprinkle in one or two marquee loans within that as well we've not even spoke about loan players have we Lou? well that's the thing cause especially in League 2 mate it's a bit of a lottery right um, we don't know who we're going to get really um, if, if League 1 was bad League 2 bloody hell um, but because it's, it's going to be 
likely the player's first chance at some professional football experience. So you really are just kind of rolling that under 23s dice and seeing what number it hits, really. Um, but yeah, 23 sided dice, is that, Liam? <laughs> yeah, literally. What number is it? Um, but no, I, th- I think overall, like, trust the recruitment team and see what happens. But obviously, yeah, now is kind of like the period where the f- the free agent sharks come about and then the next couple of weeks will be the permanent transfers probably in terms of involve fees. And then, as Joe said, like, towards the start of the season will be all the loans. So what we'll sign off on, Joe, is uh, obviously fixtures are out. Well, today is or tomorrow is we're recording this, and then today is you're probably listening to this. Um, obviously the Carabao Cup first round will be out. We'll see if we get probably get Northampton at home or something. Um, <laughs> It'll be like, a crap home game on a Tuesday night, and we will we'll all be there. <laughs> is it literally just a case of opening day in the league, just getting a an away away game? Oh yeah, that's all I care about. Honestly, if I had to drive myself to drive myself to Milton Keynes on the opening day, I'll probably. Well, I don't know what I'm doing, but, but at least if I, at least if we're away, I'll, I would rather drink. So I won't really care what the result is. <laughs> but yeah, I, got... I mean, no, nothing's more depressing to me than the prospect of Harrogate at, or Harrogate or Crawley or just any team at home who are probably going to bring two hundred fans. Um, like, just God, let's just go to some crap northern town, please. Yeah, we've got we've got plenty of miles on the clock on the uh, on the clock this year in terms of the away game. So miles will start it off early and uh, get get some random team up north that we're gonna get one off the list because any coastal ones, any coastal uh, Grimsby. Let's get Grimsby in the summer because I'm I'm screwed if I'm going again in November. Because let me tell you that <laughs> that scarred me that trip in November in the FA Cup. That was one of the coldest games I've ever been to. And uh, I mean, any other coastal teams? Um, did they put this is fixture up, didn't they? The earlier on, let's have a little look. Can we get it up? Morecambe, Morecambe. Lo- of course, we, we, we do, we do love Morecambe on this, on. and they're a yeah, basket we... case, so it could be a good three points. <laughs> yeah, we, we do love Morecambe. Uh, yeah, there's a map up, didn't they? The, the, the... Yeah, there's just Barrow. Barrow. Oh, <laughs> I mean, the thing is, you probably wouldn't mind that early on. Get it out of the way, go there when it's yeah. sunny. I mean, we when last time we were in League Two, we had Oldham away. Oh, I'm really tell you what, the one I'm not, not looking forward to, Colchester. Oh my god. Colchester is be, not fun. I will be disappointed if that is the first game. I think that's the only one I'd be disappointed with. Really? Um away, away from home. I'm yeah. Um Crawley, no, yeah, Crawley I'd be quite disappointed with. But then again, you can stay in London for the day. So at least it'll be at least not free necessarily... Yeah, honestly, I mean, AFC Wimbledon, they just won't schedule it for the first day. Um, Sutton, again, you know, you can go to London, you know, just go by the Thames or something. Um, throw yourself in after, <laughs> depending on the result. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I just think let's just go somewhere where we can have a nice day. Yeah, let's just and let's also hope for as many 3 pm London games as possible because they're assessed to oh make it 7 45. Yeah, the last Saturday London game which we had was before before AFC Wimbledon, which let's let's face it, right, is not, you know, it's not not your normal London game, is it? It's it was just not an absolute it. sort of you know horrible sort of day. Um, but you know, I think before that it was QPR on the cup, perhaps. Yeah, I think you might be right there. So what's that? Twenty? It was before COVID, twenty nineteen. Yeah, you see, so right. So 
you know, and because every year they're insistent on putting Charlton on a Tuesday bloody night, and it drives me nuts. Honestly, I think I've been there six, five or six times, and every single time, apart from one, has been on a on a, yeah. on a Tuesday night. Listen, we'll get a few, but I just want a couple. Two or three, I'll be happy with. Yeah. I mean, does Gillingham count as a London away? Mm, it's it's <laughs> well, on the cusp. Then again, I think it it sort of counts because you spend as little as time as possible in Gillingham and as much time as possible. In I remember last time, I think we arrived into Gillingham at 2.30 and probably walked as quick as we could to the stadium. <laughs> Alex Gill was sort of screaming that day, didn't he, as well? So, Yes, we did lose, though. We did lose, yeah. 23rd of December, I remember that was. It was awful. <laughs> yeah, what a day. Yeah, just someone away. And someone not like, not Wrexham, not Notts County, and not Stockport, because that's going to be like a huge game. Bradford, just like a, a mid-table or a lower team. There you go, I'm quite specific. A bottom 12 team away, Newport. Newport. I remember doing that in um, Tuesday night, Ben Tilney scored a screamer. That was a fucking dreadful ben evening. Tilney. Did you know Newport is home to the cheapest weather spoons in Britain? There we go. Pre-drinks are sorted. Yeah. So, well, there we go. Anyway, so Liam and Joe's travel tours are available for hire. Uh, <laughs> let us know. As long as you're managing it, mate. Happy days. I'll, I'll, uh, oh god, I'll come along for the ride. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I, whatever happens, I don't want to be driving to Milton Keynes. That is well, my criteria for opening day. Hope we don't have to. We'll find out soon enough. Obviously, 9am. Um, find out who and when we're playing them. But, yes, that'd be interesting. Obviously, get some travel plans sorted. Hopefully, book some trains some away. So that'd be nice. Um, and, yeah, look forward to the season. Obviously, got the pre-season schedule out. Obviously, got some London away. He's got some home games. Um, and we'll uh, we'll go from there. But uh, thanks to everyone to listen to this episode. Um, really appreciated your interaction during preseason. I appreciate it. it's not the most uh, in terms of timings, things like that. It's not much going on, but we appreciate you interacting with the podcast and uh, making our lives easier in terms of creating content. So happy days! Thank you very much for that. We're a slave to the news from the club. We are, we are, and fortunately, it's been pretty frequent so far. So that's all good. But yeah, we'll be back, I imagine, just before the start of pre-season, actually, just to sort of preview some games, potentially, what we're looking for out for that. And uh, yeah, we will uh, see you in a few weeks. But until then, come on, you dons. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.